Man's depravity has been here since the garden. And there has always been a battle between the flesh and the spirit. Thanks for tuning in to the Putnam City Baptist Church podcast. Our 2019 theme is making disciples as we help our community know God, become family, and impact the world. We hope this message encourages you wherever you might be. If you'd like to learn more about PCBC, visit us online at pcbc.tv. Now, here's Pastor Bill. One spectacular night. I don't know if you recognize that room that was in the video. That was this space right here where you're sitting right now. It looks a little different than it does this morning, doesn't it? It was an awesome, awesome night. Robert and Gina Miller, would you guys stand? They helped lead that vision. And if you were part of the volunteers that helped this week, would you stand so we could honor you as well? There are a bunch in the second service as well. Many of you were a great part of that. Praise the Lord. Don't let that video scare you and think you still can't move just because you're a Baptist. You can at PCBC, and you can see the Millers. We're already getting ready for next year, aren't we? And uh, it was a powerful, powerful, powerful night. God bless you for being a church that loves its community and is willing to go where a lot of churches aren't willing to go. And it is the night to shine. But you know, we don't just shine on a prom night for the Tim Tebow Foundation and for reaching out to special needs community. We are supposed to shine everywhere we live and everywhere we go. Today, we're going to finish up chapter one, finally, in Romans. And we're going to dig into some things, talk about some things that, frankly, uh, you hear people say all the time, I never thought we would be dealing with the things we're dealing with in our culture today. And I've heard people say that. I've even said that from this pulpit. Uh, Topics that I have to wrestle down as a pastor now and equip the body of Christ to deal with. And yet, why are we surprised? 2,000 years ago, the Apostle Paul was wrestling with the same things. This isn't new. I know it feels new to us. It may feel new to this generation. But man's depravity has been here since the garden. And there has always been a battle between the flesh and the spirit. And so we're going to dig in. If you have your Bibles, let's jump in where we left off. Remembering that we are a fellowship of believers who are to first seek God's kingdom, to be a kingdom mission, kingdom-minded people. That we live with purpose and intentionality. Just like we did Friday night with Night to Shine, we should do that every day and every night. We should let the light shine. The way we love people, the way we live for the Lord, and the way we allow the Lord to live through us. We are a people who are committed to sharing the gospel, the good news, with those who have been crippled by nothing but the bad news of sin and the issues of this world. The Apostle Paul was addressing this to the believers there in Rome. We wake up in verse 18, and he said, The wrath of God is revealed from heaven. It is revealed against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. We looked at a progression that was happening in Rome, that is happening in America, that has happened in all of human existence. And it is this understanding that there is the revelation of God. God has revealed himself, and he has revealed his will. will. And we have to respond one way or the other to that revelation. We find here that there were those who were suppressing that revelation, suppressing the truth in unrighteousness. And as a result, there is a spiral that happens from revelation all the way to reprobation. And we're going to see that unfold in these verses. Go to verse 19. He says, because that which is known about God is evident within them, for God has made it evident to them. 
For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power, divine nature have been clearly seen and being understood through what has been made so that they are without excuse. Here Paul starts with the concept of revelation, but then he talks about their rejection of the revelation. That when you do this, this can be a society, it can be culture, it can be a people, it can be a person. That we know within us, our DNA, designer, creator, God, put within all of us an understanding that there is a God. It's evident within each of us. We may suppress that, we may ignore that, we may replace that, but it doesn't change the fact that there's something inside of us that tells us there has to be more than just this natural world. That we are supernaturally created in the image of God. But there are many who reject it. And a matter of fact, the Bible says most will reject it. Why does the path that leads to destruction, many are on that path. Verse 21. For even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks, but they became futile in their own speculations, and their foolish hearts were darkened. In other words, instead of living in the light of God's revelation... They chose darkness. They turned their back on the revelation. They reject that, and in that, they turn to their own reasoning. That's the third R, as you'll watch this progression. It's a stair step going down into the basement of depravity. This isn't picking on certain sin. This isn't picking on certain people. It's a reality what happens when we reject God's revealed will. Happened in Rome. Happens in Oklahoma City. Happened in people's hearts in his day, it happened in my heart, and can happen in your heart if you reject God's revelation. Well, where do we go? If we're not going to go with the reasoning of God, we turn to our own reasoning, which then leads to replacement. Replacing God's will for man's will. Take a look at it, verse 22. Professing to be wise, they became fools or foolish. Now, when we look at their foolish behavior, it doesn't really relate to us, but it was their response, their replacement. We come up with our own replacements. For them, they exchanged the glory of an incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man, of birds and four-footed animals and crawling creatures. There are tour agencies that have extracted much of your income to get you on tours to go throughout all of Europe and throughout much of the world and looking at these sites of the idols and all the, the, the history of the past and the things that were their idols, that was their replacement, was their natural worship. We find that in that replacement, instead of worshiping the one true God, we find other things to dedicate our spiritual hunger towards and it isn't always religious worship. It can be very natural worship. It can be secular in nature. Uh, worship is anything that we place above our lives. Anything that gets our affection and our attention becomes that object of worship. It doesn't have to be uh, 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 in the image of a bird or four-footed animals or crawling creatures. It can look like uh, a bank account. It can have four wheels instead of four legs. It can have a helmet with a face mask. It can have a number of different looks, but all of us have things that we can allow to steal our affection and our devotion. But in the end, that replacement, moving from supernatural worship of the one true God to naturally worshiping the things of this world, it leads to reprobation. 
That word reprobation literally is defined as allowing evil to be as evil as it needs to be without constraints, without boundaries, that there is no standard, there are no absolutes, and all is fair play. We'll see how that works out. Go to verse 24. God will give you the desires of your heart. There's a great verse I love in Scripture that says, if you delight yourself in the Lord, he will give you the desires of your heart. People will claim that verse, and I love the truth of that. And, and man, God just wants me to be happy, and God wants to give me the desires of my heart. That is true. If you're delighting in the Lord, that is a good news promise. I would tell you if you have rejected his revelation and you're not delighting in the Lord, but you're delighting in this world, the bad news is, listen, he will give you the desires of your heart. I've told you before, growing up, I always desired Corvettes. That was, that was my four-legged creature, four wheels. And learned very early that that desire was not so glorious when I had to start paying the bills. And it started blowing an engine. Not because I was hot rodding, just poorly engineered vehicle. I had to replace the brakes. I had to replace the T-top that flew off. All this, all this that I was so excited to finally have in my life bankrupted me at an early age. The things that we desire and think are going to bring fulfillment only bring us to ruin. Verse 24, God gave them over to their desires and the lust of their hearts, and they went after things that were impure, so that their bodies would be dishonored among them. He said, you want to go there? You want to reject my revelation? I will give you that freedom, but be careful what you wish for. All of us in here are scarred by rejecting the revelation and going after that which was impure. There's not a person in this room that can stand up and say, I've always done it right. Is there? Still looking. I've been doing this for over 30 years. Still looking. Doesn't happen. For all have... Come on now. We've all been there. We've all done that. And when we go there, we exchange the holy, perfect will of God for unholy things. And that is a battle that happens in every person's flesh. Now, Paul's about to dig in, and he's about to get very graphic with the pursuits of the flesh. But notice, verse 25, that when we make this exchange, it is still acts of worship. For they exchanged the truth of God for a lie, and they worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator. You say, well, I, I'm just, uh, or maybe you know somebody that says, I, church may be good for you, and religion may be good for you, but I just don't believe there's a God, and I just don't get that worship stuff. They're a worshiper too. They just don't worship the one true God. They're worshiping something else. We are all worshipers. We all give our heart to something. The question is, will it be the revealed will of God, or will it be the immorality and the impurities of the natural world? Well, let's see the result of this. Let's see the result of misplaced worship. Verse 26. For this reason, God gave them over to degrading passions. Notice the word there, degrading. It's not upgrading. Today we're told that the church is too narrow. The church is bigoted. The church is hateful. That is not the case. 
the body of Christ, we love our neighbors, we love all neighbors, no matter the battle, because like we said, all of us in here are battling neighbors. We've all had our battles, amen? We all have our battles. But in that, we still have to respect that which has been revealed by God as what is the truth of God, not what man wants to be true. I can't tell you what you want to hear. I can't tell a culture what it wants to hear. I must profess what we must hear, what is true within the Word. And these things that now seem so enlightening and so freeing, oh, and don't point at this generation, it happened when you guys were younger too. Any Woodstockers in the room? Wanting our freedom? Wanted just some peace, love, and rock and roll? Is that all we needed, right? And see where that got us? But go all the way back to Paul's day. It went way before Woodstock. Go back before Paul's day and go all the way back to the first human beings, Adam and Eve. And they wanted to rock and roll in paradise as well. For this reason, though, when we step away from the revelation, Adam and Eve, don't eat from this tree. It will only bring you death. Ah, yeah, I heard what he said. But God's a God of love. And if I... If I was created by God and I have these desires in my heart, and if I look at that fruit and it looks good to me and it is desirable, it doesn't look ugly, it doesn't have horns, it doesn't look poisonous, it looks good. It must be good. After all, God's a creator. And God just created me this way. And they decided to live not under God's revelation, but under their own passions and their desires. And so Eve took... And Adam took, and they ate of their desires. And we're here today because they rejected the revelation of God. And that continues on from generation to generation. And the result is not upgrading. They didn't get upgraded in that moment. They got downgraded. They went from life and perfection to all now being under the curse of sin and being living death. That is a serious degrading or downgrading. So look at where it goes. For this reason, God gave them over to degrading passions. For their women exchanged the natural functions for that which is unnatural. And in the same way, also the men abandoned the natural functions of the woman and burned in their desire towards one another. Men with men, committing indecent acts and receiving in their own persons the due penalty of their error. Paul now speaks of natural and unnatural passions. Everyone struggles with both. Uh, there were the natural things that they should have been struggling with, but then those natural things even got more uh, uh, degrading and went to even more unnatural areas of sin. You see the progression, you see the, the monster growing in the heart that rejects the revelation of God. And so in addressing the issues of sexual immorality, people have drawn an erroneous conclusion. As I dig into these things, as Paul addresses these things, there is the labeling that happens now and says, well, you are being homophobic, or you are being narrow-minded, or you are being fundamental. And I want to discard, or I want to uh, disarm that argument. Because I want everybody to understand as we wrestle some uncomfortable subject matter, the reason it's uncomfortable is because we all have our own personal struggles. We all struggle with different natural things or maybe unnatural things. It's important to understand there is the reality 
of homosexual desires, and there's also the reality of heterosexual adulterous desires. There's also the reality of promiscuous desires. And every person with those struggles is still deeply loved, but loved enough by God that he continues to reveal his perfect will and his perfect way. This is not, and do not put on a filter right now and listen in and say, oh, here's where we're going. All of a sudden, we're going to start hammering on people groups or certain sin issues. No, Paul's just addressing the reality of a life that separates from God's revelation. As I said earlier, we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And Scripture does define what is holy and what is not holy. Scripture also defines what is God's will and what isn't his will. But we live in a culture that no longer is protected like your generation was greatly protected. I was talking with somebody just earlier before the service, talking about that first time that first word came out and gone with the wind. And now every word's available on television. Even XFL football yesterday had to, had to cut out the mics numbers of times because the vocabulary of the day, the language in which we live. My children are growing up in a much different environment, no longer sheltered, but everything in front of their eyes and their ears. And I have to train them up. I get to train them up in the way they should go. You have grandchildren, and you have other people in your life that you have the same opportunity, the same privilege, but we live in a sex-mad culture. We live in a culture that is indulging itself in every conceivable and inconceivable activity or expression in this arena. Not only is sexual sin tolerated in any form by anyone with anyone else at any time, any place, anywhere, but it's actually celebrated the more unnatural we can make it. It's advocated, it's promoted, it's celebrated, but it is not the will of God. And I hope that you'll pray in the next service, especially as I address a younger generation that believes it is natural that believes it is reality. But hold your place there. Let's keep digging. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, starting in verse 3. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Let's talk about the will of God. As we struggle, we have to pick whether we will live under the will of God, our creator, our designer, or whether we will live under our will and create our own path and our own agenda. Paul, writing to the Thessalonians, said, For this is the will of God. You want to know the will of God? Well, he gives us a clue. The will of God, your sanctification, is that you abstain from sexual immorality. When most people think about the will of God, they're just worried about the will of God being a bigger bank account, or a promotion at work, the good things of life, and they forget that God has a will about every area of your life. And that God's will is that we would abstain from sexual immorality. What that tells us is a couple things. Number one, we struggle in this area. He wouldn't address it if it wasn't a struggle, and every person in this room will find a different battle on this game front of their sexuality. So there is God's will, and there's man's will. And every day we choose which one we will pursue. God's will is your sanctification. A lot of people stop at salvation. Just tell me how to be saved, preacher. Just get me my ticket to heaven. That's all I want to hear. I just want to make sure I don't live in hell for all eternity. 
and yet after they're saved, they're willing to live in hell here on earth because they reject the revelation of God's will for their life. And just because you have been saved does not mean that the enemy still can't get his way into your life. He can't rob you of your eternity, but he can sure mess up your time here on earth. And how does he get us to do that? By not living under the will of God, but pursuing our passions and our desires. Man in his natural desire, or his natural state, he desires both natural and unnatural things to satisfy him. But God came that we might live a different life, a new life in Christ, which is supernatural. Supernatural is that which is beyond or above, in this case, the natural. You don't have to live a natural existence. You don't have to live by your natural desires. God has made a way through the power of his Holy Spirit to raise us up, to set us free, not just from death, but also the power and bondage of sin. And so there is the struggle of man. Paul says here in that struggle, instead of caving to those desires, you are to abstain from those desires. That word abstain, if you want to take some notes, in the Greek, it is the Greek present tense. That word abstain, when he used it, he said you are to abstain from sexual immorality. In that tense of the verb, it means this is an ongoing, every day, and can I say every minute, battle that you face. I can promise you, just because you cleared your teenage years doesn't mean you don't struggle in this area anymore. Am I right? Come on now, don't act so prudish. It's an everlasting, ongoing battle forever and ever until you take your last breath. It is an ongoing battle. And it is a daily battle that we take up our cross and we crucify those desires. We abstain from them. We don't cave by them. We don't live according to those desires. There's a word picture in this word abstain as well. Literally, this word means to have something by separating from another thing. In other words, it's that picture of the tug of war. You can't have both ends of the rope. You can't live on one side of the fence and the other side of the fence. You have to let go of one to have the other. And yet there are so many who buy into that, like Adam and Eve. Oh, you can have a relationship with God, but you can also have the fruit of this tree. You see it? You've heard me use the illustration before, how they catch monkeys in the jungle. They'll carve out gourds. They'll put a hole big enough for them to stick their hand in. They'll load it with all kinds of shiny trinkets that attract their eyes or perhaps fruits and nuts that are a luxury item to them. And they'll reach in and they'll grab a handful and they're stuck. And they cannot get out unless they let go of that to have their freedom. The same is true in our lives. You can't have the things of this natural world and have the blessing of God in the supernatural world. You have to let go of one to have the other. We are to abstain. Notice this. What do we abstain from? All sexual immorality. Notice Paul didn't say and just hone in on one aspect of sexual immorality. He said all sexual immorality. All these things that the enemy wants to pervert, that God created to be good, that God created for one man and one woman for all of their life, the enemy seeks to pervert, twist, and destroy. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 4, an anchor verse of truth. 
that as we wrestle with these things, and as our culture says, well, these are just natural desires, and people should be able to live naturally. That's natural understanding. That is a rejection of revelation. What has God revealed in his word? Hebrews 13, 4 says, marriage is to be held in honor among all. And some will look at this and say, well, that's, that's for marriage. And that's why many of my children's generation and your grandchildren's generation are choosing not to get married. Choosing just to live however they want to live with whoever they want to live as long as it's working. And when that's done, they'll just move on to another relationship. And now I'm no longer bound because this is only for married people. No, this is God's will. Unless he calls you to a life of singleness and celibacy, that God created sex to be the union of marriage between a man and a woman. You say, wow, that's old school, narrow-minded, that's 2,000-year-old theology. No, that's God's design. And that's God's will. And he says, it is to be held in honor. The marriage bed is to be undefiled. And so to make sure you don't think this is just for married people, he throws in the word fornication. For fornicators and adulterers, God will judge. So know this, fornication, what's the difference between fornication and adultery? Fornication is sexual impurity before marriage. Adultery is sexual impurity inside of marriage, once you're married. Both can be perversions of the beautiful thing God has created for one man and for one woman. And any marriage bed, any bed that is not one man and one woman through marriage and for that purpose and for that design, any bed outside of that is a natural bed that the Bible says will come under the judgment of God and the curse of that bad choice. doesn't matter if that is a homosexual or a heterosexual relationship. It doesn't matter if it is fornication or adultery. All those things are outside the scope and the bounds of God's revealed will. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 addresses it. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 verse 4. Paul reminds him, he says that we must realize that we are to possess our own bodies in sanctification. And that we do that in an honorable way, not in lustful passions. Paul understood the battle of our heart. He understood the lust of our eyes and the lust of the flesh. He understood that strong tug of war that goes on in every person's flesh. But those who are in Christ, they aren't just in the flesh. We are now in the Spirit. And the Spirit of God lives in us. For God has not called us for the purpose of impurity, but in sanctification... So that he who rejects this is not rejecting man, but the God who gives his Holy Spirit to you. Paul again is saying you have the revelation of God. And you, even though the Spirit of God is in you, you can reject that. And you can live by your desires. Or you can live by God's will. Our desires don't determine our person. Our creator does. Let me say that again. Because our culture says today, our desires determine who we are. If that's the case, I'm an alcoholic. If that's the case, I'm not even going to fill in the rest of the blanks because I don't want you to know who I really am inside on some areas. I had to make a choice a long time ago when I became a believer. Was I going to sell out my soul to that demon of alcoholism? 
and watch it destroy me as I'd seen it destroy many of my friends, their families, and other family members I knew of? Was I going to let that desire determine who I was and my destiny? It's the hardest battle I ever fought. But praise God, he gave me the victory. Not just a ticket to heaven. Yes, I received eternal life when I was saved. But I also received incredible Holy Spirit resurrection power to give me victory over my desires. I don't have to be labeled by what goes on inside of here. I can crucify that and I can choose to live according to his revelation, his will, or my desires. And when I was given in to my desires, it was fun for about a couple of hours every Friday night. It was miserable all day, Saturday, Sunday, and the rest of the week. That replacement didn't satisfy. But I was suppressing the truth. I was allowing my desires to dictate who I was. And if you suppress the truth, your desires will determine who you are. I sat in my office at multiple churches with people with all kinds of battles. Especially as this deals with the issue of homosexuality, but we're going to also deal with heterosexual sin in a moment. One particular young man from a previous church I served in, his parents were great leaders in our church, great friends to me and Cammie. Their son raised up in a godly home, but he had different desires. And he sat in my office and he sat there heartbroken and spilling out the struggle that was happening in his life. We had to have that conversation of, are you going to be determined and defined by your desires? Or is it possible that God can bring a victory and that God can allow you to be a new person, a different person within that? You say, well, that's, that is so narrow-minded, Pastor, and that is so unloving. That's who they are. No, no, no. That's who we want to be. That's who our flesh desires us to be. But God desires you to be set free to experience life as he has designed it. The unfortunate thing of this morning is the lack of time. I only got through half of the sermon last week. I only got half of the half of the sermon done this week. But the reality is this. The result is when we reject God's revelation, we go where we thought we would never go. We will desire things we thought we would never desire. And the enemy who comes to kill, steal, and destroy laughs us down that path step by step. I'm begging you, I know, now you know that i still got some of this more to go next Sunday, and some of you are going to say, I'm sleeping in next Sunday. Don't sleep in. <laughs> Dig in. Please, we've got to understand this. We've got to know how to wrestle with this. We've got to know how to help ourselves, our children, and our grandchildren. And just ignoring it and acting like it isn't happening isn't helping anybody. Don't let Hollywood get the last word. Let God's holy word get the last word. Amen? Let's pray about that. And let's all be back next Sunday because everybody said, I need more. All right, let's pray. Every head is bowed, every eye is closed. Doggone it, I only got halfway through. But that's where God wanted us to be this morning. And God has you here for several reasons. Maybe one, you need to be encouraged. This is a battle that's hit every home and every life. There's not a family here that has not been some way touched by some issue of sexual impurity. There's not a person or a family here 
who hasn't known the right thing to do, has not known the revealed will of God, and still chosen to do it our way. Not a single person. The question is, what will we do from here? What will we do today? What will we do tomorrow? There was a day in Israel's history where Elijah had to say, okay guys, it's time the lion is drawn again. You have stepped way out of bounds you are no longer in God's, in the center of God's will. You are now living in the world, and you're pursuing everything but God. And so Elijah said, I'm drawing the line. The line is drawn. Choose you this day. Choose. You can't live one foot over here and one foot over here. Choose who you will serve. And then we have that declaration. As for me and my house, a spiritual leader stood up. A spiritual leader who stood for his own choice but also said, I'm going to lead my family. And we are stepping into God's will. No longer living after the natural things of this world, but we, me and my household, my children, my grandchildren, and anyone behind me, we're going after God's revealed will. Maybe today during this invitation time, you need to pray for your household. You need to pray for your family tree. We know we need to pray for our nation, but it starts individual, family, city, state, nation. Could be that you're here and the natural things of this world that you've been packing in your life, like I did the first part of my life, it didn't work. In. You're empty. You're hollow. You know there's a God, but you don't know him. And today, God is speaking to your heart and saying, I love you right where you are. When I remember God saying that to me, I couldn't believe it. Because I looked in the mirror. I know the things I was pursuing. And it wasn't a lovable picture. But that's how big our God is. He loves us right where we are. Right like we are. I thought, well, you know what? i got to fix it. i got to clean some of this up so God can love me. No, no, no. I can't. If we could fix it, Jesus would have never had to come. But he came because we couldn't fix it. And he came and he did fix it. And he did make a way. But you have to come to him for he is the way, the truth, and the life. And you have to humble yourself and you have to come to him and say, Lord, I'm a mess. Lord, I've sinned against you. And God, I need a new life. God, Forgive me, save me, change me. Is that you today? Whether that's in this room or whether that's somebody worshiping online, God's speaking to you. Our ministers are here. I'm going to ask them to start making their way to the front. We're going to stand in a moment. If that's you, if you have questions about where you stand with God or how you can know his love and forgiveness, I want you to come to one of them and say, man, i got to nail it down. I need God in my life. You come. Maybe you and your household, maybe it's time you lock in. It's a place that you land and say, we need a church family. We need a church home. And God's calling you to PCBC. We'd love to receive you as we receive members. Maybe it's another spiritual need. You just need somebody to pray with you, for you or for someone else. We're here to pray with you as well. Either way, I hope in these moments you will give a holy response back to God. Father. May this be a time, a holy time. A time where we not listen to the lies of the enemy that shows us how dirty we are, 
how degraded we are, but God, today you would upgrade every heart here, that you would lift us up out of the mire of sin, and God, you would cleanse us of all unrighteousness, and God, that you would work a new work in each heart here. May we allow you to be the potter as we confess the weakness of us, the clay. Transform us into a pure vessel, one that gives you honor and glory. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Thank you for spending time with our church family. If you would like to learn more about our ministry, visit us online at pcbc.tv. There you can also contact us and find out how to connect with us through social media channels. And visit pcbc.tv slash podcast to listen to additional messages from Putnam City Baptist Church.